0: I'm your host, Kiri Masters, Head of Retail Media and Marketplaces Strategy at Acadia. And today I'm joined by my colleague, Julie Spear, Head of Retail Media and Marketplaces Services at Acadia. Welcome, Julie. Hi, Kiri. Good to be back. Yeah. So today we're talking about a a topic that uh, when you first shared this on LinkedIn, it actually got quite a lot of interest um, from, from brands, which is talking about the trouble with the reseller model for brands selling on Amazon. Um, and this is, I think, you know, as we get into the topic, we will learn why it was so uh, interesting, a topic out there in LinkedIn land, um, because it's a little bit, I don't think that people really talk about this very much in terms of like the business model of a reseller and what are the, the pros and cons there. It just d- didn't seem to be a whole lot of discourse happening um, out in the open.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, as we've talked about it internally, too, I think, one, there's not a lot of discourse out in the open, but two, there's sometimes confusion in the industry um, around who is a reseller versus an agency, where's their overlap, all of that. So there's some lack of clarity kind of more broadly um, that I think can lend to this not being a topic that's really out there very much.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's on, on that note, let's dive into the definition of a reseller, because like you alluded to, even that is you know, one reseller doesn't necessarily look like another reseller. Um, and I think we also want to distinguish between like authorized resellers and unauthorized resellers as well. So what would in, in, in this context, how would you define a reseller?
1: A reseller is, um, a provider that a brand partners with typically in a wholesale model to sell direct for the brand on Amazon. So, you know, we have one P on Amazon. That's if a brand is selling direct to Amazon and like a wholesale relationship with Amazon and Amazon becomes the seller of the product. So that's one P your vendor. We have a three P model where the brand sells direct um, through their own brand name on Amazon. And so that middle ground with the reseller is a 2P model where the brand engages another business to sell their product and own their presence on Amazon.
0: Right. And how would you compare that to an unauthorized reseller?
1: An unauthorized reseller, you don't have an agreement. They could get your, buy your product in bulk somewhere where it was, um, on a great deal and then just decide to list it because Amazon is a marketplace. They're listing it themselves on Amazon without any kind of a contract discussion negotiation with you as the brand manufacturer.
0: Yeah. And sometimes an unauthorized reseller can still be an authorized distributor or a retail customer of yours, but you haven't really entered into an explicit agreement to say you are hereforth granted you know permission to sell and represent our brand on amazon and some some brands kind of know that their stores are doing it or the distributors are doing it and maybe they they do want to do something about it and are unable to or maybe they do know about it and they kind of live with it because they don't have the the time or the resources to to like manage the channel themselves so there's a, that's why this whole definition is a little bit like it is a bit of a gray area because you can have resellers that you know about and you haven't like specifically authorized you can have authorized resellers who you've entered into a, 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 an agreement to do to perform certain things for you um, and then you have the unauthorized resellers where we want to get rid of them we don't like them they're mess- messing up our pricing and things like that. So big spectrum out there of resellers.
1: Yeah, there really is a big spectrum. And I think, you know, for us, this is where I almost like the designation of 2P because it's mm. changing the word. <laughs> Reseller can be applied to so many different um, mm. scenarios. And I think what we're talking about specifically here is more that 2P model.
0: Some some resellers act also as agencies and they may have both models. There's a group out there called, um, front row, they were previously known as Fortress Group, and they do both, they're a reseller and then they have managed services. And there's a number of others out there who do both. They have a managed service offering, they have a reselling offering, and it can be a little unclear when you go to their website exactly what it means. I've seen terms like e-commerce accelerator, marketplace partnership. Um, So, you know, the, the, the lingo, doesn't always tell you exactly what the model is
1: no because ultimately that's you if you're partnering with an agency you want them accelerating your (laughs) e-commerce so
0: (laughs) yes the the lingo itself adds to the confusion for sure yeah it's almost like you know what's interesting looking at these um descriptors they don't say re we sell or we distribute your products They say we partner, we give you the means to connect consumers with their favorite brands wherever they shop, like it's, it's, it's very vague. Whereas, I, I don't know, like for obviously Acadia, where we both work, it is an agency and we say we are an agency, we provide managed services. That's kind of it, but I don't know. It, it is interesting uh, that the, um, the vague language used in some of these instances.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I definitely have a preference for clarity of language. (laughs) What exactly do
0: you do? Just say it. (laughs) So with all that being said, what what makes a reseller model attractive to brands? Yeah, I, I think
1: that there's a number of reasons that the reseller model is attractive. It can be very attractive to brands that Amazon is new um, Mm -hmm. where there's a lack of familiarity of actually what to do on Amazon, a reseller model. It's like, okay, we're going to get on Amazon. We know we should be on Amazon. You will take care of it. I don't need to really learn it. That can be really uh, appealing. The expertise that the reseller can offer and the load that that can lift from a brand that is deciding to expand into a new channel that can provide a lot of relief. And I think what goes hand in hand in that is, the operational weight that a reseller can position, um, relieving for a brand. So if, mm. if the brand doesn't need to own the, the um, packing and labeling for FBA, and they don't need to build processes internally for it because the reseller owns it, that operational lift can be very appealing.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, you know, I think that there's a number of other things going to the new seller model, it it can be seen as a quick fix, like we want to grow quickly. And this is, this is a direction where they're just going to take care of it. And they're going to help us grow quickly. That quick fix can be very, very appealing. Mm -hmm. Um, The other aspect of it is, is the appearance of cash flow. Often the partnership with a reseller can be uh, through a purchase order model. And so the idea that you can be paid up front wor- versus waiting for the sell through of your products can be really appealing from a cash flow perspective for brands.
0: Yeah, say more about that because, um, you know, this is something we, we we kind of hear the CFOs on the brand side, you know, jumping for joy when they <laughs> hear that, a re- oh, if we go with the reseller model, we will get POs and we will have a positive cash flow cycle. Like that, that is that on the surface kind of looks very appealing. On the surface,
1: that's very clean. Um, it's not, it's not an an abundance of it's streamlined paperwork, it's streamlined line items. It looks like you're getting paid up front. All of those, all of those factors can be very appealing. The reality is though that the payment terms with the reseller might not actually be as appealing as even FBA um, with the frequency that as a brand you're paid from Amazon on FBA. In some cases with resellers, the terms are net 90. I know that to me for, especially for a brand where Amazon might be a new channel, net 90, those are really significant terms that i think would um more negatively impact cash flow than actually present a a solution in and of itself
0: and just as a as a point of clarity there when we're talking about a vendor selling directly to amazon the the net terms there are typically 90 as well right i
1: believe so
0: i believe so and then 3p on the marketplace it's almost you know the the closest comparison is a consignment model. You get paid two weeks after each unit is sold, Correct. so that's actually much, much faster turn. Um, not accounting for inbound time, you know, inbound shipping and things like that.
1: Correct. Yeah, much faster turn, but <clears throat> a much less streamlined process. And so, yeah. I think the streamlined aspect of it can be very appealing.
0: Yeah, it does, you know, from from that perspective, you know, even with the 90 day terms, okay, that's not so different to selling wholesale to Amazon as a vendor. But the, the, the consistency, I think, is what a lot of brands are, are looking for with the mm-hmm. POs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that we've alluded to some of the challenges, at least in the financial model there of, of it not, Quite delivering on that promise all the time. What are some of the other drawbacks of working with an authorized reseller?
1: You know, some uh, the drawbacks that we've heard a lot about when we're talking to to brands that are looking to move away from that model and move to um, owning Amazon, the Amazon channel themselves. One of the major drawbacks is kind of the control of your brand and your brand presentation representation on Amazon. Um, When it comes to optimization of content on Amazon, we know what best practices are. We know the frequency that SEO needs to be updated. We know the care um, and focus on the actual brand positioning for PDP and A-plus content. We know what's required there and the depth that when you're selling direct as a brand, you can go to. Uh, We have heard feedback from brands where moving from a reseller model, there was... Not that level of care, not that level of consistent update to PDPs. PDPs going two years without optimization or SEO Mm -hmm. refresh. So that has not only impact on like traffic and conversions, it has impact on your brand integrity and your brand image across channels, because Mm -hmm. that's how customers are seeing you on a very important channel like Amazon.
0: That's a it, it's a really good point that brand integrity um, and and just to clarify on that so typically is it is a brand paying for those content updates or is it sort of implicit in the agreement that the reseller will take care of those things?
1: Often it's implicit that the reseller will take care of it but mm. and and then taking care of it that is folded into the total costs of working right. with the reseller
0: okay um and then how does that compare to like just to get a sense of cost here obviously it, it, it's sort of a it's a wholesale model so you're selling inventory to a reseller um they are optimizing certain things at their own costs so there is a there is a risk reward there for the reseller mm-hmm. okay if we create a really great amazon storefront for this brand maybe we could increase cross-sell we could increase sales volume we could run some ads to that storefront you know for example that's something that they may choose to invest in themselves in for the for the for the payoff of better sales volume um, what about the other pieces that brands have to pay for in that financial model that that may be unexpected when they first look at it like ads?
1: I don't know how unexpected ads would be as a cost, but typically in the reseller model, the brand is still responsible for the media investment. And so it wouldn't necessarily be dictated by the reseller themselves. Just like with an agency, as an agency, we make recommendations of you want to grow to X. This is the the median of investment that would be required to do that. Similar conversations would be held with the reseller. And the brand would be responsible for that fee on top of or for that investment on top of the reseller fees. The brand is responsible, not necessarily for freight to Amazon, but the brand is responsible for the cost of getting their product from their own warehouses to the reseller's warehouse. So mm-hmm. you're introducing a cost of a middleman there by getting your product to the reseller. And typically the f- Fees on the reseller side are pretty significant. They are a percent of the top line, um, and depending on how big the brand can grow in terms of their revenue, those fees on, in addition to the media investment, can really eat into any form of margin um, mm-hmm. that the brand is getting through this partnership.
0: Right. I mean,
1: we've should I say here, Kiri, like, do Should I share what I've heard the fees could be?
0: Why don't you give a range of what you've
1: heard? Okay, so we've heard fees ranging anywhere from north of 10% to 15% of top line sales. That that is significant. That is very significant, especially if the goal is to really drive revenue growth on Amazon. If you're paying 15% of your, your returns, and you're investing media on top of it. That's a, that's a highly significant amount.
0: Yeah. And I think you know that we, we could have a whole episode about the pros and cons of various um, models to work with partners. Um, and there's pros and cons to all of them. There are pros and cons to a flat retainer fee. There are pros and cons to a percent of spend. There are pros and cons to percentage percent of revenue is yes. what you're talking about here. Um, so look, there is no, there's no perfect model. There's even models where an agency will get paid on the percentage of incremental growth, which oh, sounds amazing, but it does have cons. <laughs> there's
1: no perfect so, model and there's no one size fits all model for every yeah. partnership, brand, agency, reseller. There really yeah. isn't.
0: Yeah. And, and so I think with, without getting into the weeds of pros and cons of all of those models, I think the obvious con with a percent of revenue model is whether or not they're actually growing the business, they are still taking a percentage of your sales. Correct, correct. Yeah. Okay, um, what other other drawbacks that you'd mentioned here? I, I think another drawback around control
1: is assortment selection. Um, If a brand prioritizes, has recognized Amazon as a channel that needs to be a greater part of their overall revenue strategy, and they partner with a reseller, the brand doesn't necessarily have control over the assortment that will actually be sold on Amazon. The reseller can opt out and say only this segment of your catalog. So then the mm-hmm. brand is left with what, what to do with the other segment of the, their assortment that they were prioritizing or identifying for themselves to sell on Amazon. Um, do they have to sell it direct? What's, what's the solution here? So mm-hmm. the um, almost right of refusal of mm-hmm. segments of, the, of a brand's catalog, I think could present a challenge down the road, um, if not at the outset in a reseller partnership.
0: Yeah, so just just to layer onto that, um, this could be really impactful in situations where you've got a new product or new product set to launch and the reseller partner just doesn't see what you see in terms of the potential, or uh, you you might be running outside media campaigns for that new product and, and the reseller is just not gonna sell it. So Mm -hmm. absolutely, like, what what do you do in that in that situation? Um, Could also be the case for products that are still important to you or could be gateway products, as we've seen in our work um, with Amazon Marketing Cloud. There are lots of products that brands have in their assortment that they don't consider to be particularly strategically important but we find in Amazon marketing (laughs) cloud data that it's actually like a gateway drug product to the rest (laughs) of the assortment. It's a great introductory product. And so from an ad strategy standpoint, actually running ads to that product, which may have a really good ROI then opens the door to cross-sell of the rest of the assortment. So that's, we're also getting into a point about data ownership here, but, um, that is the reseller would not necessarily see that um so that's a a downside of the you know their their first right of refusal um obligation
1: absolutely well yeah. and i think something that kind of piggybacks off of the first rate right of refusal is there are often terms tied to rate of turn of a product mm-hmm. and so this is where the reseller has stake in the game. They want if they're saying we'll accelerate your growth, we'll really push push this product. Um, it's what they do. And if so, if they can't turn it, it kind of um, yeah. undermines their business proposition. Yeah. Um, so they do have stake in the game for this not to become an issue. However, right. there are terms that indicate if a product does not turn at the rate that is sufficient. Um, for the resellers model for revenue, then they can have the brand, the brand would need to end up in a position where they need to buy that inventory back. Yeah. Um, and so what you think you're guaranteed through a purchase order, you're not necessarily because it's contingent on those products actually turning at the rate dictated by the reseller.
0: Yeah. I'll share a, a, a personal anecdote here so there's this really um premium uh camping goods brand called snow peak have you heard of it it's japanese nope. it's got I'm kind not. of like this I, cult. I need to camp more
1: to- <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: got this cult following they make lots of titanium products and like you know very much a premium brand very expensive mugs and things like that um and it's like, I, I, um, I follow this like subreddit talking about snow peak and it's all the snow peak fan and stuff talking about how great, anyway, there was like this huge, someone put an alert on the subreddit talking about this huge sale on Amazon of some snow peak products. And they were reduced to like, like it was like 70% off some of these products. And so like every all the snow peak fans go in and clean out all of this inventory. And it was from a reseller who had, I don't know what the situation was, but they had repriced all the inventory. Maybe they couldn't turn it fast enough. I don't know. It was close out. I have no idea, but that's a situation where this brand, which is a premium brand sells through other channels, you know, through this reseller relationship, just kind of lost control of their pricing. Um, So I don't know the specifics of why that happened, but it is, you know, these are some of the things that you take on as risks when you work with a reseller. And I'm not sure, you know, would that that do irreparable damage to that brand? Probably not, but it it meant those people who went and got 70% off their titanium mug, that they'll never have to buy again, you know, they got a pretty sweet deal that they're that they wouldn't be able to replicate in other channels.
1: Yeah, they'll be confused if they try to find similar deals
0: for that that brand in the future. Exactly. Because most people don't think, oh, that is a third party reseller selling on Amazon. They think, oh, Snowpeak is having a huge sale on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Maybe I won't buy full price from Snowpeak in the future because they do discount on Amazon. I'm just going to wait for those. And 70%. Heck, I wait. (laughs) 70 <laughs> ten. I mean, Maybe yes. it will get
1: me into camping.
0: <laughs> I'll take some titanium mugs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about, let, let's say we, we speak with brands in this position where they have worked with a reseller. They want to get control back. They've sort of realized this is not for them. They wanna extract themselves from that model, but there's challenges with that, right? It's not just a, a flip, a, a switch you can flip um, off. What are some of the issues that we've seen brands run into when they try and get out from the reseller model and try and start selling either 3P or 1P directly?
1: Well, the, the first step is brand registry because when you, as a brand, engage with a reseller, you're giving that brand rights to own, or not that brand, you're giving that reseller rights to own your brand on Amazon. They then are the registered brand for your your products, and so the first step is you have to you have to reclaim um, your brand through brand the re- brand registry process. And most resellers will go along for this process, and they're they'll work with you on it. But that can be cumbersome. It can be time consuming, um, and it, it definitely is a hurdle that um, brands would need to go across in order to really start owning their own presence on Amazon. Yep. The other thing is, you're starting from zero at that point when it comes to data, if you're the brand. Mm -hmm. And so that it's just preparing yourself for that. Because if you're the brand, in the period where you've partnered with the reseller, the reseller has all your advertising data, sales data, Um, manage your customer experience data, all of that is housed in that resellers account. And that is not data that you have access to to help inform your strategy for when you take over your brand on Amazon. And so gaining whatever level of insight you can from the reseller for that data prior to the transition is definitely a step worth taking and investigating, but then also preparing yourself for the fact that you're starting from the ground floor of um, building data, data history to help inform ongoing strategy. Yep,
0: yeah, good point. So I think what, one thing that you mentioned in, in your post is, it looks like this could be a stepping stone on the way to being to owning your own uh, presence on Amazon. But this is really kind of the the sticking point that it's not so much a stepping stone, it's more like sinking sand (laughs) trying to get out of, trying to get out of It's gonna be sticky and and time consuming and maybe you're better, you know, if you don't feel like you've got the operational capabilities right now, it may be better to wait and shore those up and really figure that out rather than jumping into this solution which looks easy on the surface but could take a lot of effort to extract later on.
1: I mean, I I think that, it takes a whole lot of effort. Not only does it take the effort to do um, to go through the process and extract yourself from the partnership, that in and of itself, that transition can take up to four months Mm -hmm. to move out of that and establish yourself on Amazon directly yourself. It's also the work that you need to do internally, to Mm -hmm. get stakeholders to get that CFO on board with you for making this change. So you're needing to re-educate and and bring, um, bring people along with a change of view of how we should be on Amazon as a brand, that work can take a lot of time and maybe even a little bit more energy than the operational work that it could take to do the migration from reseller to direct ownership of your presence.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, just uh, wrapping up here, there is a a previous episode and conversation that we had with the, that I had with the CEO of um, Acadia, Jared Belsky back in episode 322, which I think is good further listening because we've talked about sort of pros and cons of the reseller model specifically. In that episode with Jared, we talk about the difference four ways between Running in a marketplaces, practice yourself internally within a brand, working with an agency, working with tech companies, and working with resellers. So we sort of expand out beyond just looking at the reseller model. Look at all four of the various models available there. So if this has uh, been interesting, I do recommend checking out that episode as a as a follow up. Uh, but Julie, thank you so much for joining us today, talking about pros and cons of resellers, and I'll catch you around soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Kiri.